Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston, Texas, that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode, we're diving into one element of business or strategy and testing our theory of love against it. And today's topic is love as a sales strategy. And I'm always excited when I get to do these episodes where we get to connect topics that feel naturally really disjointed, like love and sales, like what is the connection here? And I really want to unpack that today with my guest. I've assembled three of Softway's foremost experts in sales, and two of them you might recognize. We have Mohammed Anwar, our president and CEO. Hello, Mo. Hey, Jeff. And we have Chris Petrie, our VP. Hello. And I'm really excited to invite a new face to the show as well, Mr. Greg Duggan. Hello, Greg. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Greg is an, our account services director. He hails from Australia and he's been with Softway for the past five years. And he spent his career working across a number of different industries. His background is in consulting clients, business strategy, and leading sales and marketing groups. And he's a huge, huge valuable asset to the company as well, for sure. So Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Again, thanks for having me, man. Unfortunately, I will make you go first though on the icebreaker section. So your question today is, if you had your own talk show, who would be your first guest? <laughs> good question. That's a, that's a good one. You stumped me here, Jeff. That was not what I was expecting as the icebreaker. Well, you know, we'll let you think on it. I'll move on to Chris and we'll come back to you. Chris, your question is... Beyonce. Who, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to Mo. Um, Chris, Chris, your question is, who would you, who would play you in a movie of your life? Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> what can't she do? Yeah, it's like, that would actually be a, an honor. Um, I don't know. I will come back to Chris as well. So, Mohammed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would want somebody who has not been featured in Hollywood to give some to give a young black actor a chance. So <laughs> I'd say unnamed, unnamed. The future, the next, the, the next, next big actor, young black Hollywood would be playing me. Great. I want somebody undiscovered. Right, Muhammad. <laughs> if you, if you had to choose a ghostwriter to write a biography of your life, who would you choose to write it? Go to Greg and come back to me later. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, got, I, got, I would have two guests, Jeff. They'd be they'd be co-guests. Um, you know, you, you guys know me. I'm a huge sports fan, ultra-competitive guy. I'm playing a lot of golf at the moment. Um, as I'm getting older, it's about the only thing I can do. I'd have Tiger Woods. I'm really fascinated just with his story of being a child prodigy. His dad was his coach. He learned a lot of lessons. And then now, like, you're starting to see a lot of him coaching his kid. He's gone through obviously a lot of drama and stuff like that. But uh, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's obviously far from perfect. Uh, and then also, I love listening to Joe Rogan. Um, so you know, that guy is just a talent. I'd love to have him on. He meets so many different people. He's got perspective on so many different things. 
And for, for a guy that was uh, hosting Fear Factor and a B-list actor, he just, you know, sold the rights to his podcast for $150 million. So I'd love to talk to him and learn a little bit about that. Great answer. Awesome. Mo, anything yet? Yes, yes my answer would be Frank Dana. <laughs> you'd want, you'd want Frank, you want Frank Dana. <laughs> yes. Our Who comes on this podcast. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well... We'll unpack that in a future episode. <laughs> so, like, I would have chose like Baritone Day Thurston from The Onion or David Sedaris. Or someone who yeah, writes for a living. I don't know. Just I, I want someone to write about me who knows me. So that's what about me? Choose. What about me? I'm I don't know. I think I think he writes better. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, let's dive right in, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's a great way to jump into this love topic. Yeah. <laughs> so hard yeah. so, truth. They're part of love. <laughs> <laughs> so so software has constantly learned and grown over time right we talk about it all the time how much we've transformed but i would say that sales is probably one of our most significant evolutions uh greg we wanted you here today to help us dive into this topic and if you don't mind i'd love for you to help start us off by painting this picture i want you to take us back in time let's get in the time machine together and share what sales was like when you first started in the role. Happy to do so. Um, I was just thinking about painting a picture and I was thinking about all the famous artists that would hate to paint this picture because it was ugly. Um, <laughs> uh, look, you know, when I, I joined um, Softway five years ago now, I think to, to the day or to the week, and um, it's been a monumental shift for us and we're, we're we're always um, we're always trying to get better, but I mean, we were we were a horrible sales group. Um, we were individually focused on things. Um, we weren't building relationships with clients to what we do now. We it was an us against them mentality internally. Um, there was a lot of selfishness. There was I mean, I could go on right. How long does this podcast go for? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot of mistrust. Um, yeah, I think I was talking to Muhammad about this not long ago. There was, yeah, we didn't even know some people that were in the process of helping us put together proposals. You know, we worked with two different offices. We office in, in Bangalore, office here, and we just had really poor relationships. We didn't focus on it. Um, and we, yeah, it was, it, it was, if you look back on it now, it's, it's kind of farcical what it was. And obviously, you know, we're, happy that we've addressed a lot of it and we've got some some areas to continue to improve on but um it's amazing that we were doing what we were doing and and still making sales and i think we were just lucky with our timing and the capabilities we had we definitely weren't getting anywhere near out of what we should have with with the sales group and um i know we'll probably touch on this a little bit later but we to do what we did was was it's interesting that we achieved some of what we uh, some of the sales that we did when we were so poor on many fronts and relationships at the core just didn't exist both with customers and even just internally um to to put a bow on it i'll 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 accelerate this conversation with what i think of when i think five years ago five years ago i was in the role of you know pro director directing project management essentially and so my group uh, when i when we thought of sales um we we all let out like a collective grunt or sigh just thinking about it because what we were used to is receiving, we want a project. And we're like, great, good job. Everyone's congratulating each other. And then they hand us like a two page sheet of paper with like 
like a paragraph of what we should do and like a and like a dollar sign and a signature on it like here it is and literally we'd have to then construct post like post sale <laughs> what this actually needed to be and the price was set and we were already locked in the first thing we had to do was call this client up and say yeah so we know nothing about what you guys do but um we know nothing about you but let's start working together classic handoff right <laughs> this and that's a, and i'm some might think we're exaggerating that story i think that was i can think of this project that that was so that's from my perspective of that of that time mm-hmm. machine muhammad chris <laughs> you guys have any recollections Go ahead, Chris. Uh, <laughs> uh, so coming in, I just remember there being this laundry list of proposals on the whiteboard. And Mahama come in, have you followed up? Have you followed up? Have you followed up? Have you followed up? <laughs> and everybody would have to like stand up and say if they, whether they had followed up, how many times they had followed up, and whether the client had gotten back or if we knew what the decision was. And I just remember like, what is this? This is an interesting way, right? Like, as I, I joined right when we started to to shift. Um, but it, it was very much volumetric. Um, and it was it was not an environment where you you could talk about the relationship or other aspects of the sales process. It was just whether a proposal had gone out and how we followed up on it. And did we get an answer? <laughs> right. So it was, it was, like, like, very... It was also very number focused, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah we, hitting, we, hitting goals, a, hitting quotas. Very much a quantitative over quality um, focus, right, Mo? Um, yeah. at, at that time, and you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's still, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeff, like you bring up a good topic, right? It was a, uh, I bring up, you know, the us against them, right? There was a, we were fostering a culture of unforgiveness. We weren't supporting each other. We were, you know handing a, a mess over over the fence and then not doing anything to help our colleagues and that built up over time and you know there, there's a lot of resentment and there was here we go again you know there was it, it didn't bode well for the things that we really wanted to do as a business and it took us kind of some some deep thinking to look into that to really get to how we would solve that but you know i think every business has these types of issues right whether it's a sales group that hands work over to a delivery group you know if you're executing a project a project manager not being in the know and not set up for success, you know, a, a product-based business out there, you know, being disconnected to the marketing group or the sales group. And I think to, to bring that back to kind of our situation, there's always misalignment, but there's a lot more things people can be doing. And, and you know, we, it, it really had an impact on not just kind of our level of sales, but our quality of sales. And again, came back to relationships. We just, we really failed to, to connect everyone together. And most of the time that led to, you know, us having to do a lot more cleanup, it led to not profitable projects. Um, and it led to, you know, one and done types of types of business and clients, which in the professional world or anyone that's relying on sales, you know, bring revenue in, that doesn't set you up for long-term success and growth if you've got one and done clients. And thankfully, we've, we've implemented a few things that, that have really changed things for us. But yeah, there's, a, there's something to draw upon that type of story, I think, for anyone that's listening in. If you can't correct that, um, you know, often you... You look at the ways of why it's a one and done client. You think about, well, we're not selling right or, you know, that's just the type of business we're in. Once you have relationships and you do a good job, generally more often than not, they become longer term or repeat clients. And um, looking back on that now, five years ago, it's very clear why we were in that situation of a long list of 
prospects and opportunities that Chris mentioned and one one and done projects. Yeah, so we 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 went through a we're still I mean we're always transforming, but we went through a significant mm -hmm. overhaul in how we approached sales. Chris, I know you helped lead that effort. Can you can you kind of set us up with what's changed or what what tangibly changed to address that that picture that Greg's painted for us? Yeah, I know. Um, so I strongly believe in the um, phrase that charity starts at home and then it spreads abroad. So um, when we started transforming our sales process, we had to start internally, which was fixing those things that Greg just listed, which was the alignment internally, the do we know each other? Do we know what we do? Right. Like sales didn't often know what delivery could do and what they were capable of. Um, but yet people were estimating for things, not really understanding what was truly being estimated um, and whether the client was going to get to their outcome. So by one, bringing in that internal alignment and then sitting down and going through a, a rethink of how we actually approach customers, right? So um, there is generally this notion in, in sales that you need to know your script, you need to have your, you know, capabilities deck and you need to, you know, know how to handle objections. And all those things are are tr somewhat true, but those don't actually help you really build a relationship with your customer. And when I say relationship, that's getting to know them individually. What are their professional ambitions? What are their personal likes and dislikes? Like, what are they drinking when you're in that meeting, <laughs> right? All those small little things um, help you really understand what that customer is truly seeking, what they need versus what they want. Um, and then taking that into a process where your teams are now understanding how to align and then against that alignment, build better positioning where you can go in with a solution that will help address the client's needs and wants, um, as well as the overall business outcomes. And so us just rethinking our approach um, and knowing that that requires more time for sure, right? It's not this like, oh, this is a more efficient way of selling. <laughs> you know, this is just a, a, a more human way of selling, right? And, you know, having the ability to work with customers more intimately during the process. Um, so sales are done with a customer, you know, with our approach now, not to a customer. So we're not just talking at people and hoping they buy and forcing them to sign on a dotted line or coming back with these little salesy tactics that feel schmoozy and like a used car salesman. Um, and that really helped transform the start of the relationship with a client and build that trust earlier in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was very process driven. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, just speaking vulnerably, I'm the one who was guilty for instituting all those processes in the sales department with, you know, that was very volumetric centric, centric, quantitative oriented. And it was all about process, like do this, do this, do this. And you follow this process and you lead to success. But what helped us with the transformation and we're still transforming on is that it starts with behaviors. It starts with the behaviors of, um, you know, me as the one leading the organization down to our salespeople, how we behave with each other internally and externally towards each other. And when we changed our focus onto the behaviors aspect and less on the process, uh, that helped us start to be more human and work uh, our relationships internally, uh, human to human, and then beyond to our customers as well, instead of just being a process that drives the interaction and communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think Mohammed, you mentioned some stuff that just 
brings a few things up for me. Like when I first started at Softway, it was very much about I, right? You know, you're an individual, you're a bunch of individual sales folks, sales teams disconnected every other team, don't have strong enough relationship with clients. There's a lot of negatives. And then we, we kind of transitioned to more of a, you know, we as a group. And I think we've made headway in we as a grand team, right? Not sales versus non-sales. But, you know, when we put everyone together at Softway and we bring the best of everyone, no matter if you're a project manager, you're the creative designer or director, or you're an account manager that has experience in a certain industry, what we deliver for customers today is very different compared to what we used to when we bring people together. So there's a component of inclusion, but we had to, there was a lot of steps we took to even get to that place. And we're not perfect. We're not there yet. I put my hand up and say, I got a lot of room to improve on that. Um, you know, we've had those conversations about, you know, the things that I've done that, that has harbored mistrust or, you know, I've, I've not forgiven people for, you know, when someone's let me down as part of the sales and, and things like that. Um, but when we do get overcome those things and have those conversations with folks, we do get to a point where what we deliver for clients is gra far greater than what we do when we're on our own. Um, and I think there's a lesson to be learned in that. And if you're in those situations now, getting to those critical conversations to address them uh, sooner rather than later before they become big blow-ups or things that you can't repair are going to be critical for people that are leading sales and marketing or, or groups in that, that area or anyone really leading a group that has friction with other groups. Yeah. And I think to that point, Greg, you know, Fisher's on the team or that unforgiveness is actually visible and felt by clients, whether we like to like to admit it or not. Right. So I can recall times where we walked into a room and there was that clear division. <laughs> and when it came time to Q&A, whether it was follow up conversations and, you know, one member of the buying team was talking to a separate member of the team and, you know, everybody's giving a different answer to the same question um, and they're aligning on their end and saying like, well, you know, the account manager told me this and the creator director told me that, like, which one, right? And it creates that very visible misalignment. And, you know, when you are trying to get a deal that could be pretty sizable, six figures plus, you know, those small things actually add up greatly from a customer end, right? Like who wants to pay for work that's coming from a team that's already divided and we just started talking to them? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the project going to look like? So... It can be, you know, pretty, pretty damaging to getting a the buy-in, but also the the trust of a client when your team has all of those feelings internally that are unresolved. Yeah, Greg, I remember. <laughs> I I remember when when we used to sit down. I remember the room we were in. We would come. We you and I would sit down. You leading the sales team and me leading the delivery. Essentially, sitting down in a room to try to resolve these ridiculous kind of fi put out these fires of like clients being extremely unhappy um and it, i think you and i had a decent relationship like personally but like i remember the way we would have to talk to each other was very it was like a bit of a battle of uh of kind of like blame games and kind of like figuring out well you sold it this way well you guys could be doing this to fix it like yeah. and it, it's really interesting because i contrast that today and i i get this real sense that the the people working on, in a sales effort are very supportive. Like I never felt that back in the day. I felt like I feel really supported by sales. Like I feel like I'm being looked out for by by people in sales. What where do you, where does that come from? Where, how did that change? Uh, it, it was an evolving thing. I think there was a realization that we were not doing well enough, and we had to to look inside ourselves and, and accept feedback from other people that 
the aim of the game in sales is to build relationships and connections and we were terrible at doing it internally <laughs> if you're terrible at doing it internally how do you do it out in the real world right with businesses and, and other people and you know um you're spot on jeff i was going to say the word battle right there were so many times there where you and i were leading groups and and that probably you know reverberated back down the chain to our teams and that that's not healthy um you know we've we've come a long way i think where we've built up relationships you've had to address the things we've had problems with with each other and yeah that's that's still an ongoing process between different people depending on you know where they're at in their own their own journeys and their own relationships but um yeah i mean i, I don't disagree with anything you said it was it was uh problematic to say the least and um i think one of the big changes that you can look to as as someone you know wears a sales hat i went through you know my own personal journey where i was thinking about you know why do people do these things to me and why don't they care about me and why are they impacting my stuff and why can't they see that i'm trying to help software get ahead and building business and new client relationships and things like that and why can't you know they support our sales team and you know i think i had many conversations with many folks chris muhammad plenty of other directors at software and thinking about it from a me and an i perspective was not helpful thinking about well if i feel that way and people are uh, maybe not supporting me i guarantee you there's things i'm not doing on the flip side for them and i wouldn't say i'm completely there yet but as a as a sales leader or a leader of a team and things like that you really do have to have a, a deep hard look at yourself and realize what you're not doing and you know i know through a number of our other podcasts we've talked about reflection versus introspection and it's easy to reflect it's very hard to introspect and you know, I think one of the days, you know, Muhammad and I, we had many, many conversations about this. You know, Muhammad's feedback was like, you do it because it's the right thing, not because you expect a return out of it. And you know, we were practicing a lot of servant leadership software. And I think for the sales folks, when they realize that they want to do right by software, they want to do right by their extended team members, by their whole team, they've got to get amongst it and do things themselves. Um, and they've got to be part of the team. And I think you started to see a shift there. And that's problematic at times as well, where, you know, you under, the, the boundaries maybe cross over a little bit, but to see what other people go through in a project or when you're selling and what they live through on a day-to-day -day basis, then you can start to actually have empathy for them yeah. and and look at the, the crap they deal with and maybe some of the times that you set up for them. And when you start to look at that, I think that starts to trigger thoughts internally of what are you going to do to fix that because you're responsible for it. And even when I think about that right now, I get kind of a fuzzy feeling. I'm like, man, that that brings out emotions in me and the things where I'm like, damn, that annoyed me or damn, I really set that person up poorly or damn, that project got screwed up because I did something bad. Um, you know, and it, it sucks to say it out loud, but um, that's I think that's where it stemmed from. That's how we started to make some changes with some good coaching and mentoring from people that have seen the pros and cons and gone through that and Chris and Muhammad have, all yeah, you know, Chris has brought different perspectives from outside in other relationships and and working um, in his career. Muhammad's been open enough to kind of consider his, his his own thoughts and mind around this as well, right? He's had to change. He's had to open up. He's had to to rethink things. So yeah, it starts with yourself, right? Um, you got to realize the stuff you don't do well, and got to realize how you're not really supporting other people. Um, and if you want it, other people want it as well. Rather than worrying about yourself, worry about them and. Good things come to people that do good things and, and care about people um is how i see it these days that wasn't always the case back then 
Yeah, I think you you answered my question really just hit the nail on the head with the word empathy. I when I was saying it seems like I feel supported nowadays by the sales team. You 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 summed it up perfectly. It makes sense now. You guys just have you have a lot more empathy in your in your in your perspective. You 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 really I feel like you guys get more perspective of everybody's hardships and things, and you're there to help. It, it's actually great. Yeah, and that translates into. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say that translates into the approach that you take with a client, right? Like that same supportive feeling that we have internally when the mm-hmm. client feels that, like that's where the, the trust is built, but that's also where the walls are let down, right? Like the the perspective that I try and take into external conversations is this is not us versus them. This is me trying to become a supportive member of their team, right? Like I'm trying to make sure the customer sees me not as a defender, but as someone on their team that is there to try and make their world easier, their life better, right? Um, and and that is something that many sales leaders that I've seen in the past have not tried to get their teams to really understand, which is don't look at the customer as an outsider, as a, you know, a versus. It's a plus, it's an and, it's a both. But if you walk in with that mindset, you actually will go in and ask the right questions, right? When you're going there to try and figure out how you help someone, you're not trying to just get to the deal as fast as possible or get you know, the deal as high as possible, right? You're really trying to understand like, wait, what are you trying to do? And then when they say things that don't make sense or don't ladder back to the outcome, you feel more comfortable saying like, so here's how I would approach it. Mm-hmm. And here's what I've learned or here's what I've seen, right? You're more consultative, but you're coming from a place of I'm in your corner and I actually just want you to succeed. And if you don't choose me, it won't be because I, you know, did not give my all or best or best advice. It could be other reasons, but you cannot say that, you know, Softway left you, you know, and did not give you all of their best and, you know, the greatest attention possible. That's a, that's a really good point, Chris. Like, uh, I know, Mohammed, you probably got a few examples yourself of where we probably had to deliver those hard messages to certain certain clients where it didn't really ladder up for us to keep going. And we, we had to be true to ourselves and, and, and work for them. But I, I mean, I know... You know, you've got a few stories to tell, right? So, have you got one? No, for it? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we've 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 had uh, several customers that, you know, we've uh, definitely tried to build a very strong relationship, and we've successfully have done so. And it makes it easier to have those conversations around, you know, this is what's best for you, this is what's best for your project, and we have to, you know, we're able to have those courageous conversations with the customers to even say, hey, you know, this is not something we are going to be able to help you with. This is not something we're going to be able to support you with. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a place of empathy and we don't want them to be, you know, signing up with us for something that, you know, they're not going to be able to achieve in terms of their outcomes. And we have to be uh, able to walk away from sizable opportunities or sizable business prospects because it's the right thing to do because we are not capable or ready to support a client in that instant or that particular project situation. And uh, having empathy for what the customer is trying to accomplish and achieve and our own team. And uh, we have to make those tough calls, but we do so in a very supportive way. We try to always uh, make the customer understand why we are not gonna be able to support them and help them, but also try to guide them what they can do to still achieve their goals and outcomes. Yeah, Mohammed, you know, with what you talked about brings up an example where, you know, we we had to walk away from a client opportunity that was, 
you know, six figures, potentially seven figures and above and potentially really juicy for software, right? And I remember, you know, we, we did everything we could to try and make the deal work. Um, yes. you know, and, and the client had typical type friction between a sales and marketing group and an IT group. And, and that was becoming very clear to us that would be a problem throughout the project. And I remember when we finally walked away from that deal after many months and a lot of hours and, and as a as a sales leader or a salesperson, when you do that, that hurts, right? It really hurts to walk away from commission and knowing you're impacting sales goals and things like that. But I remember the power that situation had and we didn't do it for this reason, but that really, I think, helped our relationship with internal stakeholders, even within software. And I saw when we went chased different types of deals and business after that situation, we were a lot more collected in our approach. We had each other's back. And it, was, it wasn't like we, we set out to show people that we've got their back at Software if you're not in a sales group. It's just something we did because it was the right thing and we wanted to protect our business, ourselves, the wider group. But that turned into camaraderie that we didn't have before that. And so there yeah. are, you know, that was, I think back and I hadn't really reflected on that until now. And then I do remember kind of pursuing some stuff and working with the same people where it's probably the first time I thought like, actually, these guys have got our back. And so I think, you know, for anyone that's running or a department or having friction between departments, if you run the sales group and your call center doesn't want to support you or the operations group is not supporting you, there's probably things that you're not doing yourself to support them that you should be looking at first before playing blame games or thinking about how other people should be doing things for you. And I think yeah. that example we bring up, you know, was, was probably a big change for us. Was probably on the first yeah. time people saw that, right? Yeah. And I also think customers who we have said no to, you know, from opportunities haven't like disappeared. They've come back to us with second, third opportunities. There's, in fact, some customers we've turned down two or three times and they've come back a fourth time. And then it perfectly aligns up with our specialties, our capabilities, and our desire to do work. And we've taken on projects, you know, third, fourth attempt. Um, yeah. So even from a customer standpoint, they appreciate the honesty. They appreciate the, the you know, transparency into why we are unable to take on their project, and also telling them what they need to hear. Like if we if we see it's an issue on their side, we generally have been very transparent and say, look, we see misalignment on your side. We see problems internally on your team, and you know, until you guys are aligned, it would not be fruitful to bring in a partner yeah. like us to support you because it wouldn't get you the outcomes you need to achieve. This is what you really need to go solve. Go solve these issues internally and 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 then we're happy to support you. So we've yeah. been able to do that and not necessarily piss off or disappoint yeah. them because maybe we disappointed them, yeah. but ultimately also, they appreciated us. But I would say that in certain situations, when we have those honest conversations, the clients are like, well, can you help me get my team aligned? Right. And <laughs> it turns into like, I, I can think of one specific example recently where, um, you know, we are talking to a, a client and a customer who is trying to embark upon a transformation of their culture. Um, but there's not a lot of alignment among leadership as well as with their global, you know, teams. And, 
we could have just said, you know what, like figure it out. And, you know, we tried to sort of communicate that, <laughs> but, you know, they're like, well, can you come meet with us and talk to us about it so we can get them, you know, engaged, right? And it was a situation where we built that relationship with the most critical sort of stakeholders, the, one that are, the ones that are, you know, our day-to-day. And they are now to a place where they don't like having meetings with their teams without soft weight in the room, not because we are the only ones that can speak to things and not because they don't know what to speak to, but because there's that level of trust, but also there is comfort in having a third party come and mitigate, you know, the politics, um, the different perspectives and, you know, like having no sort of skin in the game, so to speak, um, to be able to just you know, speak truth to all the powers in the room. Um, And it turns into, you know, when we talk about, you know, love, it turns into a situation where the clients cannot see their lives or their projects without Softway in the mix, which, you know, I would challenge every listener to think about, like, how many clients can say that about you and your business, right? If a customer cannot honestly say, I cannot do this without X company, in the mix, there's a chance and an opportunity for you and your sales team, as well as the entire company, whoever's servicing that customer to try and get to that place. Um, And that does take relationships. That does take sacrifice. It takes compromise. It takes selflessness. It takes service. It takes listening and empathy, right? It takes all of those things because without it, like, I don't know where we would be with this one customer because like whatever we say, (laughs) even if it's just like, you know, the sky is green and the ground is blue, they believe it, right? Like they just go with it and like, yep, from now on, that's going to be it. And that's not to say that we take our, our influence lightly. It's just that we know that influence is important. We get asked. We get asked a lot at this podcast. You know, you say love is a business strategy, but how do you define love? What is love? Love is such a big thing, and we're like, yeah, it is a big thing, Chris. You just named the list. It's selflessness. It's honesty. It's serving others. It's empathy. It's being human with each other. It's all these things, and um, and that's why you know that approach is sometimes very novel for some people. And it's kind of scary to say, well, what do you mean love is a business strategy? Well, we just, we picked a word that sums up everything you need. If you'd like the whole list, it would take a much longer title. And I don't think they allow that for podcasts. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's love as a business strategy for a very good reason. And, 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 and Greg, you know, I want to tie this all together. I want to tie this back. I mean, we've been, we've been, mm-hmm. we've been sprinkling in love there. We've been sprinkling all these sales, you know, benefits and, and, and things like that. But um, what's the takeaway for the audience here, Greg? Like what, if, tying it to love, what are the, what would you want them to take away in this lesson? I think, so first of all, before I, before I, uh, I get into takeaway, I think it's important that everyone realizes that no matter if you're a salesperson or not, you're selling and influencing, whether it's inside your business or with clients. And relationships is key. And some of those things Chris mentioned are ultra important. And if you're not doing them, you need to start doing them. You need to ask yourself as a leader, are you doing those things yourself? And if you're not, then you've got to start thinking how you're going to overcome that. If you have a team where you're seeing those things not happen, you need to start having crucial conversations with those folks to say, are we doing a good enough job? And the reality is most sales groups have got room to improve. Um, as you nailed before, Jeff, you've got to be self selfless. You've got to focus on relationships and you've got to have empathy for others, right? Don't do it because you think there's a financial return for it if you're in sales. Do it because it's the right thing to do and you'd want it done for you. And when you do that and you take that approach to things, more often than not, you, your team, your department, your company, will have more success. 
Very nicely put. Muhammad, Chris, anything else to add in closing here? I just echo what Greg said around, like, when you are not looking to serve yourself, I, I, I actually tell the sales teams, like, I realized that by serving everybody else, I was always taken care of from a commission perspective, from a support perspective, right? Like, I never had to worry about whether somebody would show up to my meeting. Um, and I think that's always the, the fear of a salesperson is what support am I going to get, especially if I'm putting myself out there with a new customer or a prospect or a returning customer, like, is my team going to show up, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's like a, a fear in the back of your head, right? Um, and when you are selfless, it does come back to you in more ways than one. Yeah, Awesome. Well, Thank you guys for joining me today. Greg, a special thanks to you for for joining. It was a really great conversation and, and a great trip down memory lane, if you will. <laughs> Some um, of those nightmares, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little PT, little bit of PTSD going on, but that's cool. That, it's uh, been great. <laughs> I, I love rehashing it too. Um, makes me think about probably where I'm, where I'm at, where the team's at, what else we're going to do to keep getting better. Um, and uh, yeah, hats off to you, Jeff, for, for what you've been doing for the podcast. It's been tuning in uh, a lot of valuable lessons thank you yeah and um we're posting new episodes every tuesday and you know for the audience if there's anything you'd like to hear us cover if you have any feedback valuable feedback for us we'd love to hear it uh, at softway.com slash labs l-a-a-b-s and if you like what you heard today please do leave us a review and subscribe on apple and spotify it would mean a whole lot to us and with that i thank you guys again and we will see everybody next week how are we doing? Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.